This is the Two Marketeers podcast, where hosts and marketing experts Sean Patrick and Lindsay Waugh seek to uncover what makes brands so powerful and how they impact modern society and culture. Good morning. Hello. 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 How would an AI writer say hello? Hello. <laughs> hello. Can you John get Patrick? Why are you talking about AI? Why does anybody care about this AI thing? It's just a phase. Everybody cares. I think I everybody's scared. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm absolutely scared. Everybody's scared. This is going to be a fun topic today. AI, artificial intelligence. Yes. Which I guess is simple, most simply defined as intelligence that is not human. Correct. Created through brains that are digital. Collective information gathering. Collective, another one of those. Collaborative, collective, intelligent. Collective writing. Oh, yeah. So listeners, earlier this week, I said to Sean, hey, let's talk about artificial intelligence and writing and chat GPT and like all these things. And so I'm so pumped to jump on this recording with Sean today because I tasked him from that conversation with going and testing out AI writing and seeing what happened to him. So he's still here, which is a good (laughs) sign, kind of. Oh, face your fear, Sean Patrick. (laughs) AI makes me feel very vulnerable, and I think you can understand why. I agree. But when I feel vulnerable, I have to, like, go figure it out right away so that I'm less scared. Like, when ChatGPT first came out, what was it, November 2022-ish? The headlines started to roll around about, like, AI and ChatGPT and all that stuff. Oh, yeah? It's that recent? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so I'm not that far behind. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, I think so. I think so. That was the first time where I started to hear a lot about it. I was like, I need to jump into this and figure out what the heck everyone is talking about. Because is it going to take my job tomorrow? <laughs> Question mark. Still, still don't know. You know, and we all know that I'm at that stage in life where maybe that's what I want is something for someone to take my job. But then I take your job. But then I say I don't. But also it's just like, maybe you want someone to help do some of the parts of your job that perhaps aren't your favorite, which could be where this conversation leads to today. It definitely makes me bet, like I've done the test and it, what I've come out of it is it definitely allows certain aspects of my job to be not only easier, but much better. Oh, better, okay. It, it definitely accelerates a lot of the work that my brain would do. But I think the conflict I have is my brain being able to do that well, relatively speaking, as a mere mortal. Um, <laughs> it did bring into question, so what does this mean for a creative industry mm-hmm. when it comes to creating content? And that's how you make your money. Right. 
Yeah, so to back that up for a second, there's been a lot of chatter in marketing and advertising business and everything, but in our industry, people now testing out, writing social media content with an artificial intelligence writing tool, or even trying to produce an ad campaign or trying to make a brand of all these different ways that ad agencies and brands are experimenting using artificial intelligence to see what would come of it if you decided that that was something you wanted to use for your business. So that's kind of where I came to it from. I was like, well, what if I wanted to use it for my business? Like what's all the chatter about? Yeah. And what does it mean for marketing and for advertising? And like you say, perhaps, you know, doing parts of your job or trying to explore what it could look like. And I also fully look at it as it's merely another era. You know me, the armchair historian. It's just another, you know, automation that, you know, whether the, the age of industry and the industrial revolution and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, think of what all the monks thought when the printing press came out. I mean, they're out of work, right? right. Where are they going to get literally their bread and butter? Because I think that's how they were paid. <laughs> <laughs> how are the monks doing? I don't know. I don't know. They won't talk. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So it's just technology, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't go on. That was shockingly oh. quick. You did a great job. Oh. Okay. Okay. Focus team. Right. So it's societal. It's a, like, it's, it's bound to happen. We've known it's been happening. I think we're at that tipping point. And here's how I, when I went through, Lindsay gave me an assignment. She said, I'll send you a link to open.ai and I want you to play around with it. Just take 30 minutes, which she knew would be five hours mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> It's also literally called playground, isn't it? The it is. space you were in is called playground. Yeah. It's like, I'm the kind of person who would probably love cocaine more than most. And that is why I don't <laughs> do cocaine. I do have that level of fear-based discipline, but it was just sort of like, yeah. at first I'm like, how, you know, it's, it's kind of like going to a party where you don't know anyone and you're like, I don't know these people. I don't even know where to start. Right. And mm -hmm. typically anyone who would, uh, I was your gateway. You were my gateway, but anyway, I was the marijuana drunk. to your cocaine addiction. Apparently I was like, come try it. You were the fentanyl it's to my heroin. Change your life. If you ever want me to do something, tell me it's homework and I will over deliver. Yeah. Anyways, it, it, it's the way I summed it up. The experience was this is TikTok for me. Because once you, mm. you know, like any social situation, anyone who is uh, good in social situations, the best thing to do is ask questions. The best thing is to listen, ask mm. a few probing questions and follow that narrative. Right. And I actually went very relevant to my work of late. So very specific mm. strategy work, uh, strategy in small business, even strategies that relates to my business. It was just so bang on. As an example, I asked a very specific question, industry question, as it relates to a product that I'm doing the branding and brand strategy for. Okay. And I had spent probably about two or three weeks pulling together a lot of research to which I then mm -hmm. brought back key findings and this is what I saw. And in four seconds, now mm -hmm. it is, I knew the question to ask. 
right? And we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, no. What makes a good researcher is not the work they find, is the language they learn to ask, right? Yes. What's the terminology? And it, top five for me, even better than what I found. It validated everything. Good news. Nothing was wrong. So it quickly proved to me that it's as good. Like it thinks like mm -hmm. me, I guess I'd almost say, because I asked the right question the right way, not because right. I'm brilliant, but because that's the question I got to. After three weeks of solid research, I'm like, oh, I could have gone away, done this, come back two weeks later and said, I've, did a, I've done a crap load of work. Mm -hmm. This is what I came up with. So why are we telling anyone this? <laughs> because I think that's the, so... I wonder if people go down a similar trial path to one another. So I started in the same way that you started. I was like, I'm going to ask a relevant question about a product, a project that I'm working on right now to see what kind of information after me spending weeks and weeks and weeks researching to say, what is it going to bring back? And when I did the same kind of thing that you did, I also found that it gave me some very relevant, correct, true information to which I would have found myself. But the key, I think, in that is that I wouldn't know that information was correct if I hadn't already done the work, right? Right. So if you didn't do the work and just went and typed in the question and pulled the information you would have very low confidence as to whether that information was true or correct or not. So I think in those moments, there's still that need for like human review and validation of the information to say that, yes, it is true. Otherwise you're just yeah. going to be grabbing information and being like, this is what it would be the same thing. If you just grabbed a bunch of stuff from the internet, this is what the internet said. It's like, well, Show the internet says five different angles of looking at stuff. Right. I started in the same way that you did. When Lindsay and I and people like us go into sort of a, a strategy research, market research kind of project, the questions we answer and come back to our clients with are not the first questions we ask. In fact, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that Abe Lincoln uh, quote that I love is if I were, if I'm given six hours to cut down a tree, I'll spend four hours sharpening the axe and we've gotten mm -hmm. very good at sharpening our axe yeah so that okay okay and then what starts to happen is you start getting into terminology so that by the time we're truly finding the research we need we have learned the lingo we have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. helped set a context for google and they and google quickly shows us the context in which it's seeing the question we're right. asking right so it's this sort of like and yeah. i think that's the beauty of it is both of our examples of course we did it the same way no surprise we're about asking a very informed very specific question that was the result of a lot of hours of work mm -hmm. yeah so and sometimes you don't exactly. even like you don't even know the question you're going to ask until you're so far into the prep like i don't know how you start your research projects but i always start and this is a little tip for strategy people, but I always have an outline of my research and the questions I'm trying to answer. So I'm like, with yes. consumers in this category, here's what I'm trying to answer. Here's what I'm trying to answer with the category itself. Here's what I'm trying to answer within culture, all those different things. I write down my questions so that as I'm doing research, I can go back and say like, have I answered that? Have I looked at this? Have I looked at this? But then I find the most interesting things I come up with 
near the final stages of the research, like you said, aren't addressing those questions at all. Now I've learned to ask different questions that are helping me get closer down the path to where I want my strategic kind of foundation to begin. And that is your process. And I think it's, it's, it's semi-organic, if I can say that, is to say hmm. it's about planning, preparing, so that when it happens, you're free to kind of shape the direction that it's going. Then you yes. go back into, okay, that's really cool. I'm gonna step back. Now, what are the kind of questions I wanna ask? Or like, what kind of information am I looking for? Mm -hmm. It's the questions we ask that say for ourselves, okay, now I'm clear on the kind of stuff I wanna find out in order to ask a better, more concrete question. Yeah. Or more interesting questions. Like you more find, I find questions. at the beginning, it's like there's certain check boxes to questions I know I'm going to have to answer. And it may even be more from a client perspective. I know there's certain questions a client's going to want answers to. So like those are your basic kind of set of questions. Yes. And then where you start to get really interesting is those questions you didn't even know you wanted to ask later. Okay. So let's take a step back. What is open.ai? What is ChatGPT? What science is it based on? Who uses it? That sort of thing. Maybe we go into mm -hmm. that because then sure. when we understand the whole idea of the conversational aspect of things and, and machine learning, and I learned a new term, which is deep learning. Mm. Yeah. So let's just talk about there's that huge world of AI. Happy to hear that Lindsay said the conversation we're having is really just based on buzz that was happening a few months ago mm -hmm. because I, AI takes different shapes. And I think open.ai is a great gateway drug. I mean, whatever Lindsay did, <laughs> it's a great gateway to understanding better the real basis of where the world is going based on smarter and smarter machines. Right. So what is open.ai in particular? So I'm just going to explain it as to what, this is not an yes. official explanation as to what I understand it to be. Exactly. So it is a platform that has been developed and these are all wrong words, turned on it. to collect information from a million different, billions of sources. Yes. So the AI, the artificial intelligence itself was built and then turned on and set free into the digital world to collect information yes. about any topic, every topic it could find. Um, and I think when I was reading about it in the beginning, it's like it wasn't fully set free on every information source possible. No. It was like certain information sources they were allowing it to learn from. Um, but not every information source that exists in the world. It was just like certain accessible pieces of information, like Google, as an example. Yes. And then like just enough to really test a theory of how smart can yeah. artificial intelligence get merely by doing what this platform does. And then what I, from what I understood, it got to a certain tipping point that it had enough information to start to be able to answer questions. So then they made it an environment where people like us could sign up and start to interact with it. So it got to a certain tipping point where it got enough information that they turned it to public and allowed people to start to sign up with it to be able to use it. And from that point, now users 
have started to interact with it in the same way that Sean and I have just described. So you would go onto a website and type in a question as an example, like I typed in, what are 10 top 10 ideas for an eight-year-old's birthday party? So Ooh. you can type in literally any question that you want, which is so funny because I'm like, wow, I never even have to think anymore. That's great. So it could <laughs> exactly. be like, what are the top five recipes when you have chicken you need to cook in your fridge? Like you can literally ask it any question. Yeah. And then as users have started to sign up and started to interact with it and start to ask it more questions and it was continued to be allowed to learn from different sources of information, now the information it can answer and the information it provides back to people is growing and growing and growing as people are interacting with it and it's learning more, hence the intelligence part of it, where the machine itself, the machine learning is becoming smarter based on the amount of information it's gathering and the interaction with users asking it certain questions and learning how to respond and how to collect and distribute information that it finds. So that's really good. <laughs> that's but, a paraphrase. I mean, in our I notes, we should put that. an actual term. <laughs> yeah, an actual description. Because the first thing I did was I asked questions relevant to the work that I do. I asked three questions in like five minutes and I was done. To be honest, guys, I went into this not even understanding a playground. What is this? And I think what I kind of realized, and I think it's our strategy mind and our creative thinking mind. Notice I use that singularly, like we share one because um, we kind of do. And what I started realizing is, okay, pause. Okay, it's answered all the questions of the world. Um, I didn't have any kind of relevant personal questions other than, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to California in a couple of weeks. And, you know, what are the best beaches to go? And I kind of was feeling, okay, but asking these questions is just like asking Google. Like it didn't, I was just sort of like, I'm right. not quite getting that part. So I really started thinking about it. And I started going, wait a minute, let's turn this into a fun exercise. Except that if you were to ask Google, you have to Google it, search around, click on different websites, blah, 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 look around a lot, probably spend 30 minutes. If I ask chat GPT, the top eight birthday party ideas for a five-year-old, whatever it is, it pulls it in two seconds all into one thing. And it's just like, here they are. And you're like, Very true. I guess it right? was more around, if it's going to replace a behavior, it's not going to replace a Google, like Google is still, it because it you it utilizes the same technology. So you mm -hmm. kind of say, okay, so if I'm going to take what I'm already doing the way I love Google, I see Google as that. And Google, Google is one of the key platforms that utilize open.ai. Mm -hmm. um, what was really missing, I think, is what this whole thing is, this whole nuance of conversation, the importance of language. And I think that's the part where I'm really fascinated. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm using it going, okay, this is great, but why is this better? I don't know that I would use this. What was funny was this, because it, when you go to open.ai, it asks you, if, if you're looking for chat GPT, click here. So then I'm like, oh, wait, they're the same mm -hmm. thing. So I go to go on to chat GPT and it won't let me in. Lindsay had said, sometimes it won't, it's too busy. Mm, right. Okay. So it's basically saying it's too active right now, check back or whatever. But what it's doing is it's formulating a description of why it's too busy in pirate language. Okay, so it literally goes, this is how, this is the Arc. problem or this is what's happening Sean. right now in pirate. And it starts going like, our matey, there's too much going on in the booty. And, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, this is nuts. Yeah. So the whole idea of chat GPT is specifically within open.ai 
truly the conversational aspect. Mm-hmm. Chat GPT is where you can truly ask a question the way you would ask it, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's humorous, but, but it's just totally practical. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get to use it. But what I will say is this, when I saw what it was doing, I'm like, okay, I'm so blown away by what this is. Well, the cool thing though, in that scenario about chat GPT is you can ask it like, if you're a high school student trying to write an essay, please turn this podcast off. You can ask it to write and say, write a 200 word essay on ancient Rome in Cleopatra's voice. So it would be, you can ask it to say, like, if it's coming back to you to say, here's what I'm doing in pirate language, it can also write things for you under different tones and voices and textures that would actually then come through as true in the way that you're reading it. What was interesting, because I didn't get to use ChatGPT, I still went back to Open.ai and asked the questions like you're talking about. Okay, okay. I asked Open.ai, what is Open.ai? Oh, (laughs) what did it say about itself? Describe Open.ai as if you were a pirate. Open.ai be like a treasure chest full of booty for any scurvy sea dog who be looking to plunder the depths of artificial intelligence. With Open.ai, you can explore the mysteries of machine learning and deep learning to find your own buried treasure. (laughs) Incredible. Incredible. And And then we're off to the races. That was 10 minutes in. Four hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh. And what I realized quickly was what I thought was lost in using like an open.ai, the beauty of researching and asking again and again, you still get that. You just Mm. get it in such amazing context. And I think when you think of society and culture, it brings so much more subjectivity to the question that you ask. Okay, what Which do you I mean think is that? important. Well, we're always saying it's good to be objective. Guess what? We live in a world where in order to understand others who aren't like you, you actually need to be quite subjective. That's the, hence the polarization we see. Mm. So what this was is you ask the same question from multiple sort of points of view mm-hmm. or ask them to convey it in a particular point of view. And it really makes it easier and easier to understand. Mm. Because if yeah. I'd said, what is open.ai, I would have gotten all those words. I would have had to learn to ask that question. Right. Right. Like it is an open text platform, a blah, 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 where blah, blah. And you're just like, ugh, do we hear ourselves talk sometimes? So what was interesting, I said, okay, great. I love the pirate one and I get it. So, you know, and I kept going and I said, okay, so now I want to describe open.ai as if I were a first grader. Open.ai is a company that makes computers smarter. Interesting. They help computers learn things like how to talk, play games, and do other things that people can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was listening to a news story. On, I think it was on TikTok I was watching it, where basically this guy was testing out some sort of artificial intelligence tool, and I don't know exactly which one it was. But he was basically just having like a, how are you? How's the weather? Like a human to human, like conversation was what he was testing. 
Okay. And then it went down this like creepy path of like dating relationship questions and like all of that kind of stuff. And he was basically like, you would envision you're speaking to this thing like you're speaking to a real person. And yes. he and he's like, and some of the things that were they person was saying to this thing was saying to me, like, I really like you, like all that kind of stuff. And he was like, the future of all of that is terrifying, you know, in the fact that it can replace some of that replace what people think is that human conversation and interaction that they get other places. I was like, well, don't fall in love with a chat bot. How about that? Don't do Why that. Why not? What if it helps? <laughs> what if it makes me feel better? Uh, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. It's totally philosophical. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it can go either way. Um, I always err on the side, on the enlightened side of positivity. It's ab it absolutely is terrifying. But like Lindsay said, when I felt a specific vulnerability, I saw the power of it and I saw the good that it could do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the flip and how we see things as good and bad are not absolute. And mm -hmm. when you think of things like healthcare and you think of things like communications, um, it's not going away, right? That's where I'm like, it's not going yeah. away. I've I see the greater good. I see its potential impact. I see its potential impact as it relates to the work that I do. And the good inevitably can and must outweigh the bad. Yeah. There's no going back. I think if you can think of it as a way to open your eyes and expand your view rather yeah. than confirm the things that you already feel to be true is going to be a really dynamic way to use it. Like you would get completely different information if you said, why is privatized healthcare bad? Then you're going to get all this stuff back about why privatized healthcare is bad. And you're going to read it and be like, see, privatized healthcare is bad. Right. And it would be different if you asked it, like, tell me the pros and cons of public versus private healthcare so that you can get different information that may go against the bias that you already have towards healthcare. So in that specific example, it's like, I hope that people tend to use it more to open their eyes to other viewpoints and pieces of information they may have not had before, rather than confirming, you know, certain biases that they may have and using that to go so far down a path against other points of view. Right. Start to embrace it, start to understand it, see the good, be aware of the bad, but make it a good thing. Mm. That's why it will give you what you ask for. Right, I think. right for the sake of sort of the basis of what to take away here, if there's some understanding is all through the lens of a first grader. Um, key things, I talked about what open.ai was, uh, which I think is so smart. It's a company that makes computers smarter, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it talks about machine learning. What is machine learning? Machine learning is like a really smart robot. It can look at lots of different things and figure out how to do things on its own. Mm -hmm. It can learn from its mistakes and get better and better at doing things. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where the intelligence comes in, like artificial intelligence is not a search engine. Open.ai on this really high level is smarter every time you use it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And then you get this collective group of people globally using it. Yeah, of multiple cultures. It's when it starts to get really interesting. And then there's this other thing we talked about deep learning. And I'm like, describe deep learning as if I was a first grader. You're seeing a pattern. That's how I understand. We things. need to talk to Sean like he's a first grader. Is I love everyone, it. Are we getting that? You do. <laughs> you know that. So deep learning is a subset of machine learning. Deep learning is where it starts getting into the sort of human aspect of thinking and conversation. And that's where chat GPT would come in. Deep learning is like a big brain that can learn things on its own. It can look at lots of different kinds of data and figure out what it means. It can even figure out things that people don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So words like figuring out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the last thing I did was come up with a tagline for the Two Marketeers podcast. Yeah. Oh. And it said marketing strategies for the modern age. Oh. Not awful. No, I know. It's a little bit canned, but not awful. So this, okay, so this perfect, because what I wanna do is bring this conversation back to brands and strategy and the way that strategy can use AI in really interesting ways in your day-to-day life and your job is AI can be a great playground to ask those questions, to get back certain information, to ask questions in a different way, to say, hey, write top five taglines for a marketing podcast. So you can say, oh, I didn't think about using this word or that word, but it's not going to be your final strategy or the final thing that you say or a final platform or a final campaign no. or even a final research document or a final essay. But what it can do is help you think about that information in the way you've asked that question, but also in different ways so that you can open your eyes to the possibilities. So I think your tagline example is a perfect one to say, okay, that's a springboard. Like that kind of sentence could be a springboard where we say, okay, so is it that word or that word? And is this, how do we make it more unique to our audience or the times that we're in today? So again, it's really can be a building block during certain parts of research phases and strategies of a project when you're building a brand um, that you can use to help inform. And then you as the human element, take that away and massage it into your strategic approach or whatever you need to do for that brand. The part where it takes away unnecessary time in trying to get to a solution when it comes to research or uh, design thinking is not about the effort you put in coming up with something. It's about the effort you put in throwing away what just isn't a right fit. Yeah. Falling out of love with ideas. <laughs> Falling out of love with ideas. Thank you, Lindsay. And I think that's what it did. Like where I, I look at that tagline, first of all, the fact that it could do that. Second of all, that I would say, I can't disagree with that. Well, I think the cool thing as I've heard other people say too, is that it sounds like I would have written that. It's not my best work, but it does sound like me and something I could say. But the fact that it sounds enough like us to actually be something we would say is like, holy crap. (laughs) Feeling okay? You feeling okay? I'm feeling okay. (laughs) And everyone, the point of this episode was not to break Sean and his confidence. So he's feeling okay. I mean, that's what you're going to go through. It's terrifying. It's terrifying for everyone in the beginning, in the same way that Google was terrifying. Libraries were like, we're still books. And you're like, we don't need you. I don't know, I guess. So, you know, 
if you can embrace it and go through it on your own and figure out, you know, what's happening here, I think that's the most valuable thing without saying it's going to take my job or I'm never going to use it. It's like embrace it, play with it, see what it's like so you can formulate your own opinion. Well, I've, I've worked long enough to kind of have these milestones in my life where it's like, oh my God, the world's not going to need me anymore. So started in publishing and then desktop, when desktop publishing was happening, moved on to CD-ROMs when print was dead, uh, moved on to web when CD-ROMs were dead. <laughs> so it's like, I, I'm confident. I thank you, Lindsay, for challenging me this way. I think you had a high expectation of the outcome being I would come out ahead. So thank you for that. I've talked about the industry that I'm in. I've talked about the struggles of, of creativity, the process that has been in place for the last 50 to 100 years. It won't continue to allow companies and brands to evolve at the speed of culture. So what do we have to waste less time doing? And I think that's where open.ai and that kind of thinking is the answer. Very and all those cool. people, all those creatives, they're just going to do it differently. And something like this is what enables an entire industry that would take two to three weeks to turn around a piece of creative to be mm -hmm. able to have great minds responding to the needs of consumers in innovative ways with creative thinking and creative work. Love it. I'm just going to go throw up and cry in a corner. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Bye, Marketeers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Two Marketeers podcast. New episodes launch every two weeks. Find the Two Marketeers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you like to listen. And be sure to rate and subscribe. Listen on our website, thetwomarketeers.ca, or you can ask Alexa to play the Two Marketeers podcast. Want to keep in touch? Follow the Two Marketeers on LinkedIn or at Two Marketeers on TikTok. We've always got something to share. This podcast is over.